Hello, everyone. It is so wonderful to have you here with me at Love, Joy, and Languages, a podcast about loving languages and finding joy in learning them. Today, I'm bringing my first guest to the show, whom I will introduce in just a minute. First, I want to remind you about the Face the Avoidance Challenge I'm hosting Saturday and Sunday, April 9th and 10th. This is going to be a weekend devoted to facing the language learning things that we really want to do but keep avoiding, maybe out of fear of making mistakes or just not making a priority in our day. The challenge is completely free. Registration is open on my website, lovejoyandlanguages.com. It is optional, but if you do register, it'll give you access to a mini workbook I've created to help you face this challenge with confidence. To learn more about the Face the Avoidance Challenge happening April 9th and 10th, you can read about it on my blog, lovejoyandlanguages.com, on Instagram at love.joyandlanguages, or go back to episode five of this podcast. Now, onto the really exciting content for the day. This week, I sat down with Marjolaine Binskop from the language learning community to talk about being a multi-passionate person and language learner. Marjolaine is a Dutch polyglot language coach, and MSc in Psychology of Social Relations from the Goldsmiths University, London. Mario Lane has worked in various countries from the Netherlands to Spain, England, and Peru, teaching and helping students learn more effectively. She has given workshops on how to learn languages while managing one's expectations and co-founded an online environment for language learners called the Language Community. Having managed to learn eight languages to a conversational or even near-native level, she's discovered several key factors for staying motivated and reaching your language goals. In this interview, Marjolaine gives us a glimpse of her experiences, struggles, and perceptions as a multi-passionate language learner. She also shares so much insightful wisdom regarding limiting beliefs and how to shift our mindset to allow for progress and growth, making room for fulfilling all the passions we have in our lives. We discussed how passion can be discovered in any number of life situations to create a more enjoyable experience and how gathering community can build inspiration for accomplishing the things you want. It was an absolute joy to have this chat with Mario Lane, and I hope you draw as much positivity and motivation from it as I did. So without further ado, here's our chat. Welcome, welcome, Marjolaine Binskop. I am so excited to have you here today. You've been one of my favorite people to follow in the language learning community because you just always have so much going on and so much to say about it. And I love your energy that you bring to the language community as well and your positivity. So welcome to Love, Joy, and Languages. First thing, I guess, just tell us about yourself, where you're from, what languages you speak, anything you want to tell us about your language learning journey, just have at it. Thank you so much for that lovely introduction. And um, yes, my name is Marilene. I'm from the Netherlands. I'm from a small town there, uh, but I've lived all around the world basically for the past 10 years already. Yeah, as a language learner, actually it all started with actually seeing other people who were learning languages and realizing that you're able to speak it. And I didn't know I had so many limiting beliefs when it came to learning languages until I actually saw others speaking the languages that I wanted to speak already for a longer time. Uh, for example, someone who was speaking French and he was Dutch and I was like, oh, if he can do it, I can do it as well. And that's really where my language learning journey um, yeah, really took off because I had already learned Spanish because I've lived in Spanish speaking countries before, but it was really when I realized that I could also learn French, well, then I can also learn German and then I can also learn Portuguese. And then I just kind of became unstoppable in that sense. And I would love the same for anyone who is listening to this podcast to feel really fulfilled by this 
challenge that we come up with ourselves of like getting to know more about people in other countries, getting to know more about the world and challenging ourselves to, to learn languages and really speak them, which is a really fun challenge, I'd say, but sometimes we make it a little bit hard on ourselves and we think that, you know, we have to do such a good job. Mm-hmm. And that's where, yeah, that's where yeah. I come in. I, I really like combining self-development with language learning so that we make sure that we always feel fulfilled and feel good and confident in the process of learning languages. So yeah, and I do that as well on, on Instagram. I share tips there. And I have a podcast uh, called Polyglot Insights because I just feel so excited when I can share the insights I have from my own journey or from, you know, people that I've learned from. And uh, yeah, that's what I do, basically. (laughs) I love that. I love that. So a question that I don't have prepared for you. So you living in the Netherlands, did you learn to speak English in school? Yes, but surprisingly, people in the Netherlands only learn it like by age 12 or something like when we're 12 we have our first classes of Mm -hmm. English Uh, but then it goes relatively fast because we've actually had input from like the tv and the Mm -hmm. radio all in English obviously like the radio shows are in Dutch but then Mm -hmm. all the songs are in English and on tv basically everything's in English so like once we start learning it just goes really fast we're like yeah, yeah I actually already knew that kind of thing we just never spoke it you know so by the time you discovered that you could learn french you already spoke obviously dutch and english and spanish exactly but i okay. still had limiting beliefs and that's the interesting thing like yeah. i had learned spanish and i was so proud of that i learned it by myself and I still had all these limiting beliefs like, yeah, but no, French is really impossible mm-hmm. with the pronunciation and no German is really impossible because of the cases. <laughs> and like, it's such a waste when we think like that, because we are able to really enjoy these languages and learn more about the world and actually prove to ourselves that we are capable of learning these things. So yeah, like, even though I already spoke three languages, I still had those beliefs for sure. That really helps put things into perspective for me because I started actively learning languages at age 33 and most people would be like, okay, that's way too old. You know, I did well in school when I had to study Spanish, but I couldn't speak Spanish. And so I was like, well, I just can't do this. You know, I didn't learn it when I was a kid. So it was difficult for me to go out and try to find people like me. Cause I felt like, oh, everyone learning Italian already speaks Spanish or already speaks French. And I kept feeling like, well, they just have this, this edge on me. Of course, they're gonna be able to do it cause they already speak another language. But I love your story because you're sitting here saying, yeah, I already spoke three languages, but I still felt those limiting beliefs. And I'm still just like everyone else in that way. Like maybe you do have some sort of advantage, you know, being able to pull from different languages, but the limiting beliefs, I mean, it doesn't matter what else you have going on. They're limiting regardless of your history or what other languages you speak. Like they're still going to keep holding you back. So that's a really good perspective. I'm sure we can record another podcast in a couple of months (laughs) about limiting beliefs. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm all down for that. Oh yeah. Um, Yeah, for sure. (laughs) But moving away from that, or I guess transitioning into, so you have recently spoken at the Women in Language Conference, where I heard you talk about being a multi-passionate. And Mm -hmm. I found this talk so absolutely fascinating because you clearly, I mean, just based on your own introduction here, you have so many things that you're interested in. And that's just the languages that we've talked about that you're interested in. So talk to me about what it means to be a multi-passionate and kind of how you came across this and how it applied to your life. 
I guess I always knew, but I never really accepted it because I felt like I had to focus on one thing. I'm also like a real achiever. So I want to see growth and it feels like being interested in so many things and experiencing growth is just something that doesn't go together. Mm -hmm. So I guess I knew it, but I was hiding it or I still did it, but felt guilty for not seeing growth or felt stuck because I didn't know how to combine the two. And then uh, actually only like six months ago, I came across this book called How to Be Everything. And it was just written for me. Like even the cover was like, it just stood out. It was like yellow and uh, super big, the title, How to Be Everything. And I was like, can I? Can I you know? <laughs> so I was like, I need to read this book. I don't know exactly what it's about, but I'm going to read it. Mm-hmm. And um, I'd heard about the term multipotentialite before. Mm. And I also identified with that. But that is really more about jobs and occupations. Like, okay, you can be a photographer and an actor, or you can be, you know, you can be doing multiple things. And that's absolutely okay. And actually, you can have different perspectives because you have, uh, you're multidisciplinary. So I knew about that and I accepted that partly because it still comes with some uh, struggles to want to do multiple things but I didn't realize that that's also true for like passions you can have multiple passions and you still might want to see growth in those areas so like when I came across this book it was still focused on multi-potentialites but they kept on using multi-passionates instead as a term and passion is something that I want to have in my life like I don't want to have like a regular life where it's boring. I don't feel like I'm myself when things are the same every single day. Mm -hmm. And so I realized that, yeah, I'm a multi-passionate who wants to put as many passions as possible in my day. (laughs) And that, of course, comes with some struggles that we'll talk about later, but there's things that you can do. And it just basically means that you're interested in multiple things, that you're Mm -hmm. really curious. You wish you had more time because you can't stop learning And you might feel a little bit different from other people because some people are able to focus on one thing their entire lives. Like literally there are people like that or only on two things, for example. But as a multi-passionate, there's like always new passions that come on your path and you're like, how am I going to include this? Uh, If that's how you feel, then you might be a multi-passionate. So this book and this idea, the how to be everything, which I'm going to put in the show notes, but that and the idea of trying to do everything, it's not about forcing the grind, doing it all, being it all, you know, doing everything. It's about honing into the things that you want to do, that you're curious about, that you're interested in and finding ways to fulfill those within your life. Is that right? Definitely. Definitely. Also the, the book really talks about like strategies. First of all, it talks about like accepting yourself and actually see the advantages of being a multi-passionate, which mm-hmm. we don't always think about, you know, but actually it means you're extremely curious that you're able to learn faster because if you have already learned, for example, like, as we said, like you've already learned three languages and the fourth language, you of course have an advantage. You're able to learn faster because you've learned from the other things you've learned. Mm -hmm. Or for me, self-development helps me to manage my emotions better when learning languages. And therefore I'm a more motivated learner, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But also it talks about concrete strategies and suggestions because there's different times in your life. Like for example, what if you're pregnant and you want to learn everything about how to raise your kids Mm -hmm. well and all of that, then of course it might be harder to have like 
another six languages at the same time you want to learn because you're already reading a lot and learning a lot so understanding that there's phases in your life mm -hmm. where maybe you in one phase you might focus only on two passions and in another phase you actually have more time and you're able to focus on six passion projects at yes. the same time so really understanding that there's different ways of managing your multi-passionateness and there's no right and wrong it's just about assessing when you're doing well and this is actually what i analyze myself that it's between you know novelty and growth because we as humans want to experience growth we just need to assess okay am i overwhelmed or am i feeling empty because if you're feeling empty you want more passion projects and if you're feeling overwhelmed you might need to manage your need of novelty because it's standing in the way of your growth so always mm -hmm. assessing am i going the right way of feeling good or can i improve something and um yeah, that's that's really exciting actually to be able to realize that you're it's all in your hands you have the control to make adjustments and you can do that every single week to make sure that you feel less overwhelmed or less empty right yeah. if you're not doing enough i love this i love that it's the idea of it is being able to be flexible and allowing that flexibility mm -hmm. into your life. And then like you said, respecting the phases of your life, because, mm -hmm. you know, when you like the pregnancy is such a perfect example. And then after that <laughs> with a newborn, and then after that, there's a toddler phase. And then after that, maybe there's another pregnancy, like everything in our life, especially as I don't want to say just young adults, but you know, people who are, we're all still figuring out life, but as we do this and those phases change, maybe we're moving or moving jobs or retiring every single one of those demands being able to be flexible in how we're approaching what we're doing and knowing, Definitely. respecting that and knowing the right times to, to pull back or push more with whatever. It, it sounds like it's, it, it helps keep the mental health strong without necessarily feeling the overwhelm. But also this can also be done with passion again. So mm -hmm. if you're like learning about how to raise your kid, for example, do it with passion, make it mm -hmm. another passion project because there's again so much to learn and that's exactly what multi-passionates like when there's mm -hmm. a lot to learn so make sure that everything has a sense of playfulness and novelty but also growth combined and there's really ways of also tracking your progress and kind of seeing it as an overall goal which is what I got from another book I've forgotten the title but I can look it up later is see it as an overall goal so for example if language learning is one goal it's a lot easier to handle than when you're when you have four languages and you see everything as one single goal mm, mm -hmm. because for example if you have french german uh, portuguese and arabic for example all happening at the same time let's imagine Where'd you get that, that example <laughs> but let's imagine that mm -hmm. then of course you're always going to find negative things Per language as like well I still don't know that in Arabic or I haven't learned German this week you know there's always this negative voice and of mm -hmm. course it's a lot easier when you see it all as separate goals but if instead you see it as one single goal which is language learning it's a lot easier to be proud of yourself it's like well yeah I did something for language learning this week or even zoom out and see if why are you learning languages is it because you want to know more about the world then watching a documentary or talking to people from different countries also contributes to that goal. Mm -hmm. So actually like it's really easy to see that you are making progress as long as you look at 
it from a different perspective, you know, yeah. like seeing it as an overall goal. Absolutely. So I'm going to take a step back for a minute. And you mentioned whenever you first started talking about being multi-passionate that you always knew that you were, but you just kind of didn't accept it or didn't really acknowledge it. So what are some of the reasons? Like, are there just stigmas attached to it? Or does it just feel like there's a negative connotation with this, you know, maybe inability to focus on doing one thing or something like that? So what kind of things would hold someone back from, from really thinking about accepting being a multi-passionate? I think there's like what we could call the outside world, like what are other people doing? What are other people saying? Uh, what are other people implying? Mm -hmm. And of course, what we experience ourselves. So like if we experience overwhelm or feeling stuck or demotivated because we force ourselves to focus on one thing that then didn't become that exciting anymore because we felt guilty about the abandoned projects, mm -hmm. you know, like if that happens, um, of course, we don't feel that happy. So I think both things are happening when it comes to what others are doing. Like sometimes we see someone that goes all out on one language, for example, and we see this person making massive progress. And then we're telling ourselves, you see, you're doing it wrong because they are making so much progress. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but we need to understand that every person has a different way of being. If that person's goal is to learn that language really, really well and to go all out on that language, then, you know, let them do their thing. And if your goal is to be happy every single week with like different languages, then that's your thing, you know? So, but it's definitely to do with that, that we, we might feel like it's not a valid way of being a valid way of acting. Mm -hmm. And we might feel jealous of others that make more progress yet. We are able to make a lot of progress. If we I understand how we can track our own progress, as I said, with an overall goal, or if we understand that we can manage our uh, multi-passionateness, let's say. But for example, what if you are, if you have multiple passions, you can of course combine them as well. Let's say you're learning French and German and you can actually learn a lot about German in French. And you're definitely able to learn a lot about French in German. And if you do it like that, you're already making the, the project more like, again, chunked. You see mm -hmm. it as one thing rather than two separate goals. Your goal is to learn French and German and you can do it at the same time. And the same with self-development and French, for example, there's a really nice, nice podcast called uh, Francais Authentique. Mm -hmm. And he, he talks a lot about his, uh, the things he learned about his insights from uh, books and from uh, documentaries and everything and so you can definitely combine projects as well um, so there's always strategies ready that we can apply to manage um, our need for novelty <laughs> yeah yeah and you know as as human beings but definitely as language learners we have such a an inclination to compare ourselves to others learning the same languages and if I'm comparing myself as, as the French German person to someone who is only learning French or someone who's only learning German, or because I'm comparing myself to both of them, then I'm not feeling like I'm doing much, but am I one shouldn't be comparing. But if I'm going to <laughs> someone else who's learning multiple languages, who's learning French and German, maybe in a similar way than me, like there's people out there who are doing things similar enough to us that maybe we can try to combat that comparison by connecting with them and sharing ideas about what we do and how it's going and our progress so that we can kind of together use those comparisons in a way that helps us progress in the way that's best for our multiple passions. Definitely, definitely. And like, again, don't feel bad about it. Don't feel guilty about it. 
when you realize you're comparing yourself to others and you start mm-hmm. getting jealous and all just like be aware of it and be like oh oh I was comparing myself but I remember now that that doesn't make any sense because I have different goals than that mm-hmm. person I want my life to be really diverse and active and challenging and some others want to focus on one thing and that's all valid right um so as you said I really like what you mentioned there like if you compare yourself as a French German learner then again you're not able to compare yourself because they have a different they might be in a different phase of their lives they might have a different goal they have different passions they have a different setting environment all of that like it's hard to compare but when we realize we do just take a step back and be like oh hey I was doing that again well now I'm gonna stop doing that and do something else as long as you know it doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. it takes a very conscious effort to, to really step back from that comparison. It's for so, sure. So easy for sure. to do. So you've talked about some of the struggles that multi-passionates face, just one being able to accept that that is your life and combat those comparisons and overwhelm. That's another one that I want to talk about more. So, I, I mean, it would be very easy for multi-passionate to feel overwhelmed with all the things that they're actively trying to do. And then all the things that they want to do, because at least for me, I know my list of things I would like to face or learn about or whatever is like, it's just constantly growing. So Mm. what are, what are some of the other struggles or maybe deeper into any of those that multi-passionates face or that you yourself have dealt with as a multi-passionate? Yeah. So I really identify two situations. One is that I say yes to everything and then feel Mm. overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is that I just feel frustrated and and dissatisfied with, for example, my day or my week, because I tried to do one thing, but I wanted to do all the other things. And I felt bad about, as I said, abandoning those projects or Mm -hmm. putting those projects on hold. And learning more about this thing of being a multi-passionate I have come to accept myself a lot more when it comes to that and now I just realize like okay I can decide my next week I can decide even my next hour if I want to like everything is in my control it's not like I'm a victim of all my curiosities uh, <laughs> I <right>? like that <laughs> I'm a victim of my curiosities it's perfect <laughs> yeah so like take advantage of it because we're the ones that are able to learn so fast because we have this tremendous curiosity and motivation and need of learning new things so when you look at it like that it's more like oh hey I noticed I was stuck again or I noticed I was doubting again or I noticed I was doing this or that Uh, but hey I'm gonna change that tomorrow I'm gonna do this or now I'm gonna do this always keep on analyzing yourself like what Mm -hmm. works well and what doesn't I realized that I'm a lot better at actually keeping uh, promises to myself than to other people. And that is really strange because for a lot of people, that's the other way around. Like yeah. to stay accountable, very often people uh, tell others and then they're more accountable. For me, it helps a lot more if I tell myself and then I write it in my calendar and then I force my, well, force now, but I motivate <laughs> myself to do it or when I have my own habits. So, for example, with learning languages it's a lot easier for me to have my own habit and say like okay every morning at breakfast I do a little bit of a language app or I grab a book or I watch a YouTube video but like having that habit it becomes automatic but if I do it with others I might it might not be automatic I might not have a specific time during the day for it and then when you break a promise with yourself that feels really really frustrating Mm -hmm. and so this is just an example 
for people to like realize that we have certain patterns and it's important to analyze those patterns and then adapt them to make sure that you're able to stick to your uh, goals and your promises to yourself. And that is also really important as a multi-passionate and for any person really, because as I said, if we break promises, we feel bad. Mm-hmm. And therefore it's like a lot easier to have a habit that you know is going to happen or write it in your calendar that you know it's going to happen. But when you just say like, oh, I'm going to focus for the next two weeks on Italian, which is again, something I told myself, but then life happens and I didn't put it in my calendar and I didn't make it a habit. I didn't say when I was going to do it and then it doesn't happen. So again, as a multi-passionate, just saying you're going to focus on something for two weeks doesn't necessarily work. Mm -hmm. You need to make sure that you know when you're going to do it and also realize why you're doing that. Like, is it because you love learning more about the culture or is it because it's actually really fun? If it's really fun, then again, don't put the pressure on being amazing at it. Just have fun. And when the passion is there and when the habits are there, so passion and habits combined, there's guaranteed growth. There's guaranteed progress. But when doubt comes in, that's when things, you know, go downhill. Mm -hmm. But if we focus on habits and passion, it is going to happen. So this makes me think of something else that I am definitely guilty of is I have something I'm interested in and I pursue it for however long I'm passionate about it. I read up on it and I do it. But then a phase of my life comes in where this starts to fall off or something. And eventually I definitely start feeling guilt or disappointment for letting this thing fall off. But sometimes I'm no longer passionate about those things. Like the passions Mm -hmm. themselves kind of fluctuate over time. But if I've told myself, I've put in this time, I've put in this effort, I've put in money and now I'm not passionate about it. Like I feel guilt for it. And like I said, shame and disappointment, or especially if I've told the world that I'm learning this thing. And now, you know, other people are asking me about it, how it's going. How can you work through that guilt of, I was passionate about this thing or this language, and now I'm not, should I put it on the back burner or just get rid of it? How can we move through those fluctuating passions kind of guilt-free so that we're not carrying that baggage around with us too? I love that question. I really, really do. And of course, I recognize it. Of course, I experience it every now and then. But if there's one thing that I've learned is that life is long. And I've had a time where I tried to study some Portuguese, wasn't like really seeing any progress, left it. And then a year later, someone introduced me to Brazilian Portuguese. And I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. Mm. This is what I'm passionate about. And so when you realize that you're not passionate about something, it doesn't really make sense to just push through it because it's exactly the opposite of what we wanted. It's exactly the opposite. We want, we want to be passionate about things. We want to Mm -hmm. be curious. We want to learn. And when that is, is gone, you have two approaches. One is to, as I said, put the project on hold and trust that it will come back. If it will come back, if like, if your passion comes back, then you're all, all going for it again. The other approach is to make the project passionate again. And that you can do by finding a different angle. So for example, with with Italian or no, a, a better example, German. With German, there have been a lot of times where I was like, oh, I really need to learn this because there's so many German speakers in the world, in the countries where, where I live or have lived, there's always German speakers. And like, 
I just need to get this done, right? Mm -hmm. And then that's, first of all, not the right um, way to start if you're a multi-passionate because you want things to be interesting, curious, and I just gonna get this done is already like in conflict with personality. But on top of that, um, I have actually managed to learn German just by speaking with people that are talking about things that I'm interested as well in as well, like languages, or uh, we read uh, books together and stuff like that. All of a sudden, German came alive. Again, you don't have to be super good at it. So for example, my aim is never to be an amazing French speaker, an amazing German speaker, an amazing all speakers, but it's more to, to feel proud of myself. Like, yeah, I could speak some German. I can have a German conversation. Like, sure, I can have a conversation in French, even if it's late at night, I can still do that. Like that is more a feeling of fulfillment and really taking advantage of life. So that is, is really nice knowing that you don't have to be super good at it which can take off the pressure and therefore it can become a passionate mm-hmm. project again. And the second thing is changing your approach and seeing how you can make the language more interesting. And for example, with Italian, I always go like up and down in motivation there as well. And I just realized that what I'm interested in is more like the Italian food culture of course oh yes Italian, <laughs> Italian mentality. About that. <laughs> exactly. And then so compare that to just learning some Italian on the language app like Mm -hmm. it doesn't have the character the personality that I'm interested in it Mm -hmm. doesn't really spark but if I like learn it with YouTube videos about how to make Italian dishes then I will be able to be preparing I'll be able to prepare nicer meals at home and improve my Italian and learn more about the world so Mm -hmm. all of a sudden I'm a lot more passionate about this language than when I just do some language apps right this reminds me of my daughter and you know it's something to be to be a language learner myself and my children are learning the local languages in the in the communities where we've lived but it's hard to bring these two experiences together because we are experiencing the languages and the learning of the languages in completely different ways. But I also have a hard time seeing how to help teach her because I don't speak German now, but Italian when we were living there, I don't speak these to such a high level that we can do them at home. And so thinking about including the things we're passionate about definitely is something that we can can utilize in parenting as well because my daughter so we've left Italy nine months ago now and she loved the language while we were there of course it was a language she communicated with her friends in and we ordered food and and experienced life there but it also came with school and lecture and homework and tests and so there was still this negative connotation as well since we've left Italy her Italian now is watching TV, talking to her friends, ordering food when we go to a gelateria where there's Italian speakers. And I've seen this spark in her since leaving Italy that now it's fun. Now it's passionate. And we're planning a trip to go back to visit friends. And this morning she's home from school today. And I'm like, Hey, what do you want to do? How about we do some Italian together. We can read a book. We can watch TV. We can just talk. We can, she's like, Ooh, let's do Duolingo. And I was like, okay, let's do Duolingo together. A year ago, if I'd said, Alex, sit down and do Duolingo. She'd be like, no mom, I'm not doing that. But now it's fun. She's found passion in the language because it's only connected to friendship and culture and food and experience. And I've worried so much about how I can help her keep her Italian when we're not living there. But this is 
an answer to that. It's at least one way that we can continue on is finding her passions connected with the language, not just what she likes, but specifically connected with the language and the culture that she's experienced and honing in on those. And this is going to be fun. This is going to be super fun to keep exploring and then seeing that spark remain inside of her. Exactly. And what you're talking about now is the emotions that are attached to the language learning journey, Mm -hmm. you know, as in like, okay, Italian, what, what do you feel when I say the word Italian? What do you feel when I say the word German, right? And then you can really analyze that. And if it's negative, well, then obviously you either think it's too hard and you can't, or you just really don't care that much. <laughs> and yeah. you have to analyze which one it is. And if you really don't care that much, then put it on hold and maybe it will come back. Maybe you'll meet someone from the country and then it's going to be really fun. Or as I said, find something that you do find interesting. Mm-hmm. And if it's because you think it's too difficult and you can't and you're insecure about that, then make it easier. Like, like take off the pressure, realize that it's just a hobby or even if it's something that is necessary for your life, you're not mm-hmm. going to learn it if you keep on being the annoying perfectionist, right? Like, oh, I need to do this perfect. And then you're not going to get there. Things grow when you want them to grow, when you're interested in them, when you're passionate about them. And that's how it happened with me for Spanish. Uh, When I learned that like 10 years ago, I never worried about like, oh, how good am I now? I was always just focusing on, oh, this is interesting. What does that word mean? Why Mm -hmm. did they use that structure? Oh, I did not know about that. And I would always like watch movies in Spanish, uh, songs with the lyrics, talking to people. Everything was coming from a place of passion and curiosity and determination, but never from a place of, okay, I need to do this. I really need to get this done. So whenever Mm -hmm. you realize these thoughts of, I need to do this, I need to get this done. I just want this. It's, you notice that something can change there in your approach. Yeah. I want to repeat something that you just said though, to, to say the word, just say the language you say Italian and my heart gets all bubbly inside. I'm like, Oh yes, I love it. (laughs) You say German. I'm like, not quite there because now I'm living in the country and there's still that need, but yet not, I still love the language and I think it's beautiful. So still some happiness. But if you say Spanish, I'm like, oh, high school Spanish. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I understand some Spanish now just because of my Italian and that's exciting, but Mm -hmm. it's still, I feel my high school Spanish teacher, you know, staring down at me or something, telling me to say something that I don't understand. And those are more negative feelings. So if I ever want to pick up Spanish, it, it would most likely happen in a way that is tied to something happy, some person or country or something. I want to give another example. For example, I um, live in Madrid now. And the first time I lived here was really nice. Yet there was some emptiness in me because I didn't have that many friends. I worked at a really small office and my husband's husband also worked at a really small office. So we didn't have that many contacts. And so my association with Madrid was, yeah, it's not that nice of a city. And then I moved back to Madrid years Mm -hmm. later. And already before I moved back, I did journaling, which I very often do. And I already analyzed, I actually such a time period of, for example, living in Madrid for one year, it's not only one feeling, yet we often come up with only one association. We often say Madrid is, or Italian is, or German is, but it's never defined by only one emotion. Mm -hmm. 
So with German, I bet you've had moments where you're like, oh yeah, I learned something new. This is awesome. And then there's moments like, oh my God, this is hard. And, and so <laughs> Definitely. there's different emotions. And so I realized already before moving to Madrid, like actually it was a really nice place. It was always sunny. There were so many Spanish bars. It was so much fun to be surrounded by all these Spanish speakers. And actually, I remember it being quite a nice place. Mm -hmm. But then it really depends on what you focus on. If you focus on, oh, I could have had more friends, it's a lot more negative. But when I focus on, it was always sunny and there were all these Spanish tapas and like all the balconies. All of a sudden, I become happy about it. And my association with Madrid is, it's amazing. And luckily, I came up with that before moving here. Otherwise, I wouldn't have decided to move here again. And it is amazing. I am happier than... I have been in the past years because I just I'm enjoying Madrid so much. And now I actually have a lot of friends already, even though I've only been living here for three months. I already have like more than 10 friends. So like it really is like what you focus on is what you get. If you focus on how hard it is, you will get, you know, that it's it will be hard. But if you focus on the good moments you've had with the language, it becomes a a much smoother process. Absolutely. Tapas and balconies. I mean, I would fall in love with tapas and balconies too. (laughs) So something else I want to bring up based on the conversation that we've had so far about finding your passions and what you're doing. And, you know, like you said, if there's a language that's you're just not feeling and it's becoming stressful and you don't have those passionate ties to that, you can put it aside. And of course, I think you would agree with me that, that we're coming from this conversation from a privileged language learning standpoint of we're learning it because we want to and because we like to. Mm-hmm. And of course, we know there are so many people out there who have to learn a language for survival or who have to learn it. Like even my kids just going to the local school, it's, it's mm-hmm. some sort of a survival mm-hmm. or a need, even if it's just for work. So you don't necessarily need to be a multi-passionate to appreciate the fact that you can bring passions into those things that you need also. Even if you're in a very serious immersion course where you're consumed with the language eight hours a day because you have to for survival, it's possible to still find passions within that to find a positive connection with the language in order to boost your ability to learn it or at least change how you feel about it in a more positive way so that it can be more effective. I think there's something that everyone can take away from this, even if, you know, whatever for whatever reason they're learning languages, there's a lot that can be said about finding passions in what you're doing. For sure. I like that. And it's definitely a combination of uh, learning, as you might expect, like the traditional way, Mm -hmm. let's say learning words or learning grammar, like it all helps. But whether you like you can always combine it and say, okay, I have one hour to learn a language. I'm going to do 20 minutes or half an hour of looking at some grammatical structures that I've totally forgotten. I don't remember the endings of the verbs, let's say. And then you have like 30 minutes of watching a video on YouTube in the language that you want to learn and that you're so excited about. And then you focus on what you've just learned. So for example, Mm -hmm. I'm going to watch this video in Portuguese and I've just reminded myself of uh, how the past works. For example, I watch a video and I just focus on the past. All of a sudden, it just falls into place, right? And so I really hope that people that have to learn a language, indeed, as you said, realize that even though their language course might be really boring, because sometimes it does happen really grammatical, they don't see how they're going to use it. Mm -hmm. I hope they realize that they can combine it with things that are fun, that are like gamified or according to their interests and their Mm -hmm. passions, for sure. Absolutely. And then at least for me, it takes a little bit of that stress off of having to do it 
or even if it's just an internal stress, it takes it off if you're having fun with it in whatever sure. way. <laughs> so something interesting that I'm, I'm picking up on here is that a lot of the struggles or challenges of being a multi-passionate overlap with things that I've talked about on this podcast about perfectionism, especially overwhelm, comparisons, jealousy is something I have on my list of things to talk about as a perfectionist language learner, feeling that you should mm -hmm. do something or that you have to do it because mm -hmm. you've said you're going to do it. The feelings of frustration, all or nothing. Do you also identify as a perfectionist? It's interesting that I tend to be more perfectionist with things that I feel like I have to do mm, than the things mm -hmm. that I want to do. But I always want my passions to be included in my schedule. So then with the things I have to do, I sometimes, of course, get frustrated or I have the feeling that I have to do them. But being a perfectionist, uh, perfectionist in language learning, I already realized very early onwards that it's not helpful. Mm -hmm. um, when you're learning and you're trying to evaluate yourself every time, am I doing okay? It's not helpful because it becomes a negative experience. It becomes like, Ugh. because when we evaluate ourselves, we always come up with things that are negative. Yes, right, absolutely. And uh, when it comes to speaking the language, when you're on the spot, you're trying to have a, a, a conversation and if then your perfectionist kicks in, then it's like, okay, uh, I'm not Freeze. able to, to communicate. Mm -hmm. I better just not say anything. But for me, it's so important to show who I am, a bit of my personality. It's very early onwards. I just realized, okay, I'd better just make mistakes and show a little bit like my energy, my personality. Um, and I just accept the mistakes I make. People will correct me. I'm sure I'll learn it at some point. And it's true that in some environments that's easier. So for example, with Portuguese and Spanish, it's really easy because people are always motivating you to speak the language. They're always mm -hmm. like, cheering you on as like oh wow you know some words you know like even if you just know a few words they're excited that you know a little bit about their language and that you're trying to speak it and it's true that for people that are learning English that doesn't happen that much people are already yeah. really early on kind of like judging yep. um, the person but even then being a perfectionist just doesn't help I realized that because I've taught a lot of people English as well and those that dare to make mistakes I am able, actually able to have a nice conversation with them. I don't care if they say has or have, of course, right. I will correct it if I'm the teacher, but I still am able to have a conversation with this person. I'm able to learn something from them. I'm able to make jokes with this person. I mean, I even made jokes in Japanese with an A0 level. <laughs> uh, and I think that's more important than like if the word was exactly the right word in the situation. So yes. I do understand what you mentioned about being a perfectionist and uh, being jealous of other people's progress or being a worrier or uh, like working too hard or actually procrastinating because you're afraid of failing. It's all there. I understand. But when it comes to learning languages, it's just, you know, go out there and make mistakes uh, and go out there, show up as well to your learning practices of like, okay, every morning I'm going to learn something. It doesn't matter how much you learn, but if the determination is there, you're going to to learn it and uh, make it playful as well. It's like right. the antidote of perfectionism. I think there's something to be said for acknowledging whatever tendencies you have, whatever you identify as, whether it be perfectionist or multi-passionate or something else, 
knowing it and accepting it is kind of like that first step to just being okay with it because I'm always going to be a perfectionist. Like I've gone to counseling. I don't think I'm ever going to fully get over it, but I can figure out how to work with it and I can figure out how to make it fun and passionate, mm -hmm. you know, in all these different ways so that it's not holding me back. I don't think my perfectionism is going to help me. It doesn't help me not make mistakes, but knowing it's there and knowing that's why I'm beating myself up over my mistakes. Okay, let's call it something, move on and just keep going. Like that acknowledging of, of yourself as a whole human being is incredibly, incredibly valuable for not letting it hold you back. Absolutely. And it also helps to, to choose the term that you can accept and that you're happy and proud about as well. For example, for me, multi-passionate just, I directly identified with it and I was already like, oh, this actually sounds good. Like, yes, mm -hmm. <laughs> I want to know I, I, this is something that I like to associate with myself. And indeed it does come with overwhelm, but then knowing that that's not necessarily who I am, it's something that sometimes happens. It's a pattern indeed, as you said. So choosing the term that you feel comfortable with and that could be, even a made up term by yourself, like you could give it a name, oh, yeah. whatever, exactly, whatever you're able to feel proud of, or like identify as such. So I understand you use perfectionism, because it's something yeah. that you identify like, mm -hmm. Oh, this is my perfectionist self, uh, I'm gonna say hi and help her out of the room or something. <laughs> but like, yes. but yeah, I understand whatever works for you. And we're all just different human beings. And that's what makes the world such an interesting place. Like yes. we don't all want to be the same way. So let's embrace our different passions mm -hmm. and understand that we are doing a good job. And I think that when we are doubting if we're going to do a good job or if we're already doing a good job, that's actually where the issue is. Uh, because then we feel stuck and we don't know what to do. But actually our gut already knows what we're interested in, what we're passionate about, and uh, sometimes already how to do it. So let's just go after our dreams. I'd yes. Say. I love the idea of making up a name too. My, my negative self-talk is called Malfoy. So anytime I'm talking <laughs> negative to myself, I just tell Malfoy to shut it. And this can be if it's something that is like, I'm starting to think about having an alcoholic drink, which I've talked about my sobriety before. Like it's tell Malfoy to shut up. If it's me telling myself <laughs> I'm not good enough or I can never learn this language, Malfoy, shut up. So I don't even have to in that moment, call it perfectionism and go deeper. It's just Malfoy, no. just be quiet. And then I can start <laughs> focusing on what I need to focus on. It works for everything. Amazing. Your intuition already knows that yes, you are worth it. And yes, you are doing fine. Yes. Everything is actually mm -hmm. already fine. It's just that it's our tendency to be a little bit negative every now and then, but um, on the inside, we actually already know that we are doing a good job and that we do actually like ourselves for being so curious. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that brings up a really good point then. So you already know, you already know that you're making progress, even if you're not allowing yourself to acknowledge that all the time. And you mentioned before kind of tracking things to kind of prevent overwhelm. Is there anything in particular that you do as far as scheduling, tracking, organizing, either what you're going to do or what you have done for tracking your progress, tracking your activities? What do you use for that? Yeah, so I actually have weekly conversations or almost daily conversations at the language community. It's a community that I started with a Brazilian friend of mine who is also a polyglot. And we speak, like, as I said, on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we speak all together, there's different uh, language rooms. 
And on uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays and Saturdays, there's extra member practices. Bottom line is that like, I could have not spoken or learned German in a month or two. And then all of a sudden, there's people that want to practice German at the language community and we start to speak German. And I'm like, oh, hey, it's still there. Those are my moments of feeling proud and seeing progress um, or realizing that the language didn't just disappear from my mm -hmm. brain. So speaking moments is a really nice way of tracking. It could be with a language partner. It could be at the language community. It could be to yourself or to your dog, as you mentioned. When I was learning Spanish, it was every time I traveled to Spain where my husband was living. And it was just like people also who hadn't seen me in months, they were like, oh, wow, your Spanish is a lot better. And so these you realize already that, oh, hey, now I'm able to speak in a group. Uh, now I'm able to understand different accents and all of that. So like those moments in time where you realize that you're improving is very often for me related to conversations. I know mm -hmm. very well, like, hey, this conversation went well. So those are things that I track. It is hard to track really like objectively how much you've improved in a language uh, unless like you use like some type of software with flashcards right. like Anki. But then again, it's... it's you can feel really, it though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, for me, it's really clear with certain moments in Portuguese, mm -hmm. for example, uh, after three months, I did a podcast. Well, that was progress. And like a few months ago, I did a conference in Portuguese. Mm -hmm. So then I'm like, okay, that's progress. And so those moments are really clear. Another thing is to, as I said, you can write it in your calendar when you're mm -hmm. doing something. So then you're more tracking like your efforts, actually. And that also gives you a feeling of strength and fulfillment because you actually keep your promise you said mm -hmm. you would learn a language like three times a week and then you did it so then that's another way of tracking actually saying like okay as long as I learn something an x amount a week then I am making progress so I'm doing well mm -hmm. uh, but for me it's really also habits as I mentioned it just becomes automatic like drinking a cup of coffee every morning you don't have to track it anymore it becomes a lifestyle and that's right. very different than it's a to do no mm -hmm. you decide your habits choose the ones that are beneficial to you for example for my novelty i have a small booklet with pop quizzes of uh, different cultures and I, I love reading several questions every single day in the morning and it just becomes something that's part of my routine so it's like a lifestyle i'm sure like I know that the, the passion is fulfilled because mm -hmm. I'm doing it every single day. And so either writing it in your calendar, having habits or having regular speaking moments that you yes. can see if you're doing better. For me, it wasn't really until after I left Italy that I was able to take a more objective view of my Italian because in the country, it's like, I'm always having conversations and they're always either going really great or really bad. <laughs> you know, it's so hard to gauge because the different conversations I'm having with different people in different situations don't just flow, but with regular speaking practice, I can choose what I want to talk about. I've had so many, I don't know, five or six different italki tutors in Italian, and they all bring something different. They all bring different energy or different styles. And I can see my progress from my very first one where I'm floundering every other word to now mm -hmm, where mm -hmm. I'm able to at least slow down, think about it, ask them, oh, I don't know how to say this. And I'm more comfortable just trying. And then I can see progress with understanding the different types of past tenses and using mm -hmm. the subjunctive and 
subjunctive, of course, is terrifying to an English speaker who's never come across it before. So it took me years to be like, I know I'm supposed to be using that here, but I don't know how to conjugate the verb. And then so the next mm -hmm. week I learned it. And then the next week I try using it. Now I can know when to use it and try using it. And it doesn't always work, but I can at least say to the tutor, I know this is supposed to go here. Let me try to work through it. Okay. And then they correct me or we keep going. And that's progress because I know for sure two years ago, I could not do that. I didn't even understand subjunctive, like what it is, why it's no, needed, no, no. when to use it, tracking your progress within a language of what I couldn't say then. And I can say now, or at least can understand now is another really great, just mental tracking your progress thing. We could definitely be talking here all day. Mm -hmm. uh, so like, there's so many more things that we could be talking about, but I just wanted to share the book I mentioned before. It's a really, really small book. It only has 44 pages. So that's great for multi-passionates because you directly get yes. a sense of fulfillment. <laughs> yes. You've, you've read that book up to the next. Okay. So it's called, I want okay. to do all the things, Arcadia the page. Things. I want to do all the things. I will put that in the show notes as well. And so in her book, she mentioned having multi-potentialite projects, but having the overall goals. And that's something I really, really liked from that book. And I read another book of hers that was about doing small tasks. And that is like, you can get fulfillment from just doing things five to 10 minutes a day. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing that's great for multi-passionates because it's like, oh, so even if I journal 10 minutes a day, it's still going to give me a sense of fulfillment. It's something that I've added to my day that made it more interesting. Yes. And so uh, since she's a multi-passionate, I read multiple of her small books, the short books, as I said, of only like 44 pages. And there are some tips in there. It's not that every page or every line is super fact with value, but there are some small strategies that you can start using. And as I said, the other one, uh, how to be everything by Emily Bopnik. And of course, any other role model that you might find online of people that do choose to learn multiple languages, even though it's challenging, or that do choose to learn languages and also have another interest that they spent a lot of time on, whether it's sports or, you know, anything. Uh, I think we can really learn from those people and also role models that are famous, for example, famous celebrities that were really good in one thing and then decided to completely change their career path mm -hmm. for example basketball player that then became a comedian uh, like we can really feel empowered by those people like they have done it why wouldn't you be able to be good at multiple things over time like we have a whole lifetime so yes really make sure to connect to people. And one way would be to join the language community. As I mentioned before, we have an Instagram page. You can go to the dot language community and my own profile where I share like the insights I come up with. You can find it if you type polyglot insights and then you'll find my profile, which is marilyn.polyglotinsights. I love that. So tell me a little bit more about the language community then. You have speaking speaking rooms daily during the mm -hmm. weekdays do you have mm -hmm. them on weekends as well yeah so we have a free version which is still really cool because we have like more than 50 people i think it's already 60 or 70 people from all around the world and just the profiles amaze me there's people that learn uh that are learning four languages at the same time and again then my limiting beliefs kicks in as like 
are you sure that's possible? <laughs> and, you know, they're doing it. It's, it's all good. So really, if you're multi-passionate, join this community because you'll definitely feel like you're not the only one. And we're all struggling a little bit in some languages, but then we all embrace that as part of the language learning process. As I said, like one week, I might not be so good at German. And then the next, I'm all of a sudden doing a lot better and stuff like that. Then we have our membership, which is uh, speaking daily. As I said, the only day that we don't have speaking practice is on Sunday. Mm -hmm. uh, but all the other days, there are... Uh, there are sessions indeed some are specific for a language for example like spanish practice german practice russian practice and then we have days where we have language rooms so we have like one zoom and then there's all these different rooms and you could say i'm going to speak french for 30 minutes and then i'm going to speak german for 30 minutes and you notice that people become so much better at switching between languages because that's what happens in those language rooms Ooh. and that's where your multi-passionateness is really satisfied because it's like oh i've spoken some french and german today and then there's days where we speak like even more languages than that but just multiple language rooms so if you're if you're learning your second language now then that's absolutely fine like you're not being discriminated for not being a polyglot or anything we're all just welcoming language lovers of all different levels. There are definitely also people who are learning their second or third language or people that are not a C1 in any of the languages they're learning. So it's really like great environment if you want to take the stress off your language level and mm -hmm. just be happy and uh, speak multiple languages with or without mistakes. So the That's rooms awesome. that are dedicated to a specific language, is there always someone in that room who is an advanced speaker that can help pull people through or make sure there's kind of just guide the space and guide the topics? Yes and no. So there are times where, for example, with Spanish, mm -hmm. uh, if there's two beginners, they can basically break through the fear of speaking. Yes. So yes. that's why we actually created this room, these rooms so that people also break through the fear of you know failing and not speaking good enough because when you're with other beginners or intermediate speakers mm -hmm. all of a sudden like you're not doing that bad are you <laughs> and so we have those spaces and then there's also spaces where for example there's only one person uh, who is learning Spanish and then there's for example me and I'll be like okay let's speak Spanish together and I'm like uh, C1 C2 so then you know, then I help that person. Mm -hmm. So there is a mix of both. Like and also that. there's a lot of uh, native speakers that like to help in their language. So then, for example, with German, we have someone who really, really likes to help, even though she is from Germany. So she could also be speaking Spanish or Portuguese or the other languages that she's learning. But she's like, no, no, I want to help people learning this language. So we have both, which I think is is perfect, like some guidance here and there, but also really breaking through the the speaking block let's say yeah <laughs> I like this and this is a perfect example of where the name matches what's really going on because that that is community that's exactly what it is is For people sure. coming and helping each other whether they're getting paid or not whether they are teachers or not it's just everybody just building each other up and you know two beginners helping each other getting over that fear of speaking is so valuable regardless sure. of mistakes it's just yeah I can say and hi how are you and what's your name and you can say the same and then let's discover something else to say next it's yeah and, and if there's uh, a lot of beginners we sometimes just um 
for example, I have an account for books. And so sometimes I share my screen and I show like a book for French or for German and we read it together. And in this way, a lot of people have also improved on their pronunciation mm -hmm. because then we read the book together out loud and mm -hmm. like we don't mind making mistakes. And then sometimes one person says, oh, I think it's pronounced like that. And then the other person says it. We also use uh, Google Translate during the mm -hmm. conversations every person can open it for themselves if they want to. So if someone doesn't know the words, I'm like, okay, let me check. And then we check uh, on Google Translate, but also Google search to make sure it's the right words. And so we're really like learning together, as you said, mm -hmm. as a community. And that is really nice. And to see the progress in people, mainly when it comes to confidence. And as I said, also speed, it is really really fun and uh, I'm happy to be part of it. Yeah. I like that too, because you're showing people that there isn't just one way to learn or speak a language, that it's okay to use Google Translate when you need it, that all of these, I don't know, stigmas of I have to be able to speak and I have to be able to do it perfectly without making mistakes is they're just not there. And so in this community, you're also showing people that there's so many different ways to talk, to practice pronunciation, create your own journey however you want and come here and we'll share it together is such a cool and exciting thing. So last two things then, is there anything else that you want to tell our listeners about being a multi-passionate, about being a multi-passionate language learner? What's your last glowing words of advice about being a multi-passionate? You do you and see whether that feels good as in like, if you're doing you, it should already feel good. If something doesn't feel right, it probably needs to be changed a little bit. It's kind of like my, my go-to strategy in life. Like something feels off, you can definitely improve it. And so make sure to connect with other uh, language learners, whether they're multi-passionates or not, you'll realize that any language learner has those moments of like doubt or overwhelm. It's part of the process. And as I said, look for role models of people who, who also have a lot of passions and make sure that they get the best out of life. And seeing people and talking to people, I realized that I still have some limiting beliefs here and there about what is possible and what isn't possible, not only for language learning, but also traveling or also, mm -hmm. you know, like um, any passion you have, you might have some limiting beliefs, whether you're, you have enough time to do that, whether uh, you should do that, whether you're able to do that. So really assess those and really realize that actually you are able to do a lot of things. Just make sure that you look at your calendar, see what fits in your calendar right now. And if there's no space for it right now, because there's other priorities, then write it down in a notebook uh, or write it down in your calendar for the next month and see if then you do have time to kind of like manage your month, to manage your week and to realize that you have a whole lifetime to fulfill uh, all the passions you have in life. And there's always five or 10 minutes a day, or even like a week where you can do something that makes life a little bit more awesome. So if anyone has any questions, of course, you feel free to reach out to me on Instagram. Uh, as I said, either the language community or Polyglot Insights, which is my personal account. I'd love to talk more uh, with, you, with you all and connect with others who, who experience the same thing. So um, Thank you so much, Heidi. I love it. Thank you. So my last question was going to be, tell us again where we can find you. So you just told us and I will put it also <laughs> in the show notes as well. So it will be super easy to connect with you. Thank you so awesome. much for your time and for being here. I am so fascinated by this idea. As soon as I heard just the word multi-passionate, I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, that explains a lot. 
I, I feel <laughs> I know, right? so much of that. And then the combination with that and perfectionism, I think my whole language learning life is just opening up to this. This is who I am. And it makes so much oh, sense and sure. I can work with yeah. it now. And it's, it just makes things so much easier and more digestible and more fulfilling. And that's what it's all about. For sure. So thank you so much for your insights as well. I think it was a really interesting conversation. I feel like uh, we have already learned something as well. So I hope the listeners did as well. Yes. Thank you so much. Wasn't that such a fascinating conversation? I really love Marjolaine's energy, her positivity, and her ability to just look at life and look at everything she wants to do and try not to feel so overwhelmed, but instead face all of the things that she really wants to do and make them a part of her life. I think there's so much that can be learned from the idea of being a multi-passionate, whether you have multiple interests or are really interested in just a few things. This conversation really helped me realize how much accepting ourselves as we are and working with the things that are part of us and with the things that we want to do as well as the things we have to do, how much that can really just help us continue progressing, continue being positive and just getting the most out of life. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. I know I sure did. This interview with Mario Lane has got me thinking a lot about overwhelm and how it applies to our language lives. So that's going to be my focus for next week. I want to talk about those times when language learning feels overwhelming, how that's shown up in my life, and what we can do to help focus on things to make them more manageable. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you come back next week. And until next time, ciao.